So anyways, Matthew chapter 23, I'm going to start in verse number 23 as well. And this idea from this sermon came uh, about 10 years ago or 12 years ago, the idea for this, this sermon right here. And the idea came when I was in a high school chapel. I went to a small Christian school, just like the one we have here at Gospel. And we had a rotation of different preachers from the community and surrounding churches that were of like faith. They would come and they would preach to us. And this one uh, sermon that this man did, it stuck in my mind. And it was something that I remembered. And it was a good principle and a good Bible truth. And that's where I got it from. So, you know, give credit where credit's due. And this is not his outline by any means. Uh, this is some I couldn't remember his outline. No, but the thought, the thought of it came, you know, some 10, 12 years, years ago and stuck with me ever since. So let's go ahead and let's get started here. We're going to start in verse number 23. Jesus, of course, is saying, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These things ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Let's go ahead and pray before we get into the passage here. Lord, we're thankful for one more time. They were able to meet here at Gospel Baptist Church in Bonita Springs, Florida. We thank you uh, for the privilege that we've been able to do this um, all these years. It's a great testimony when I get to tell people that Gospel Baptist Church has been around since 1980. And a testimony, a great testimony in the community. And of course, as Pastor said, with the uh, gospel going all around the world through internet and missionaries that we send out, what a blessing. We ask that you meet with us here tonight. Uh, may you bring these thoughts uh, into captivity, into our minds, that we may be able to come away with the truth this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you have heard the story, not sure if it's a real story or not, but maybe you've heard the story about the man who went and he, him and his date wanted to go get some fried chicken. So they went down to the restaurant and of course they ordered some chicken tenders. And after waiting a couple minutes, the cashier, she went and she handed, of course, their meal to them and they went on their way. They drove quite a ways away and they stopped at a park where they were going to have a little picnic. So they sat down and they opened the little brown paper bag that they had and were looking forward to eating those nice chicken tenders. But when they reached in there to get the chicken tenders, they pulled out a stack of money, $800 roughly, $800. And what had happened, of course, the till from all the money that had been collected that day accidentally was given to them. And so he frantically said, we got to go, we got to go. And he, they jumped into the car, they drove down to the chicken joint where they got their food and brought that money in, and they could see the manager frantically pacing around back and forth, back and forth. What in the world is he going to do? He's going to lose his job. 
he was so worried, but the man came and he reached over the counter and handed him the $800 and said, oh man, here you go. Here is your $800. Of course, the manager was thrilled and he says, oh my goodness, this is a miracle. You are the most honest man that I have ever met. I can't believe someone had so much dignity as you to be able to, most people would have just kept the money. I mean, it was cash. They could have spent it but you brought it back here. Wow, you are just such a great man and such an honest man. He says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna call the local news station and I'm gonna tell them what you did and they're gonna air a story about it, about what you and your girlfriend did. And he said, no, please don't do that. Please don't do that. He says, you see, this woman I'm with is not my wife. She's not my wife. And if it gets out on the news, I'll be caught red-handed. It's an interesting story, but that's how many people live their lives. They're so honest and so righteous on one aspect of life, but on the other side, they're filthy and horrible human beings. We try to please God and do what's right, but then on the other hand, we're filled with our own lusts and desires, and we give in to them, and we're caught in this balance right here. Every week, you could probably go online. Every week, I would venture to say, you could go online and you could find some story about about some preacher or youth pastor. And I did love being a youth pastor, but youth pastors, they get a bad rap. Anytime anybody goes bad, they go, oh, yeah, it's the youth pastor. You know, used car salesmen, you know, they're all old youth pastors that fell out of the ministry because they did something bad and horrible. And uh, Pastor Moon and Pastor Bill, they always put me through the ringer. But now I get to do that to Thomas, and I get to rub that in on him. But every week you could go on the news, and you could find something about a preacher or some religious man or a quote-unquote man of God. You could find how they were embezzling money how they were standing in pulpits and proclaiming righteousness, but behind curtains they were doing things that were horrible, they were adulterous, they run off with their secretary, you name it. You can find those stories. Because we're pretty good at hiding our sin. Not just preachers, but everybody. We put on a front. We deceive people. It's easy to do. And that's what these Pharisees were doing here in this passage. And so today, just for a few moments, I want us to look at this passage where Jesus really just rips the Pharisees to shreds. They hadn't had many people come and try to combat them until Jesus came along. But we're going to see what Jesus says to them and help us to try to not be a modern day Pharisee. So the first thing I want us to look at here as we get into it is they wanted religion, or I should say they had religion, not a relationship. The Pharisees, they had religion, but they had no relationship with God whatsoever. He says again in verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites! Ye pay tithe of mint and anise and and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the others undone. You see, the Pharisees, they prided themselves with the fact that they, number one, they knew the law better than anybody out there. They prided themselves on the fact, many of them, by the way, that they memorized very lengthy portions of scripture. They would come up and to the eight or nine guys that quote verses, including me, 
those Pharisees would come up and they would just tear us up. They would make us look like we're the little kids in Awana. I mean, they took pride in the things that they did and that every aspect of the law of Moses they followed. They had religion, but they had no relationship with God whatsoever. We see the first thing he hits them with is tithe of mint. Now this mint is just an herb and it was well known. And basically it was known for its sweet smell, of course. And the Jews, they would spread it on the floor of their synagogues. And what they would do is, of course, they would pay one-tenth of that and keep it back. And so even on the smallest account of things, they would keep details as to not rob God. Another one was anise. It was like a, a dill or a plant that was similar to that in appearance, and it was used as a sedative medicine and for cooking purposes. The other one, cumin, it is used as a spice. Um, and it, they would take the seeds out of it and use it to cook with and make stews and whatnot. It is said that the Pharisees, whenever they were walking down the street, if they came along to a berry bush, that they would pick berries, and when they would gather 10 of them, they would take one and they would put it in their pocket so that they were not robbing God. They took their religion very seriously, but they had no relationship with God whatsoever. They focused so hard on the small things that they neglected the big the big things that really mattered. He says, they have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These things ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Basically saying, focus on the big things, but don't neglect the small things while you're at it. I like this quote I came across. Observant of the lesser laws has earthly reward, but observant of the weightier laws has a heavenly reward. I mean, that people notice when you do all that little stuff, but God notices when you do the big stuff. Here we go. This is true religion, judgment. We're talking about justice, righteousness, dealing rightly with people. We're talking to the same people that had thieves in the temple overcharging people and ripping them off when they were coming to make their sacrifices, and they were making a killing off of it. Judgment, doing what was right, righteousness, right living, not just in the areas that people can see, but in the private, in the secret areas of life. Mercy, this is charity and compassion. And by the way, I don't believe that the Pharisees really could understand mercy because they didn't think that they needed it. They thought they were so good that they dotted all of their I's and they crossed every single one of their T's and they kept the law of Moses, even though we know that they really didn't. But this is what they thought, that because they dotted their I's and they crossed their T's and did exactly what was, they were supposed to do, that somehow that they were going to earn favor with God. It's not possible. Not possible. So they couldn't show mercy because they themselves had never received mercy. If you find yourself in a place where you have a hard time giving mercy to people, I like the phrase, be easy on others and hard on yourself. Be easy on others and hard on yourself. I went with Brother Tom. This just came to my mind. I went with Brother Tom a few months, uh, maybe about a year ago. Time flies. A year ago, I went with Brother Tom on a bus call to a bus family. We were trying to get this one young man to come to camp, I believe. And 
we, we go over to this house, and the mom that was there, I think the dad was in jail at the time or something, and the mom and the grandma that were there, oh, they just, it was like if they could make every wrong decision, they did it. Every single wrong decision, they made the wrong decision. And myself, Brother Tom, I think uh, Brother Cronin, Brian Cronin was there with us, and we were looking at this this woman in this situation and the boy, he was a little bit unruly in the house, wasn't listening. And it was really easy for me to sit there and cast judgment on those people and say, man, I can't believe that you're living like this and I can't believe that you're doing this and you let this slide and you let this go and you know, your house is a wreck, it's not looking good, your air conditioner's broke because you didn't take care of it and you name it and and as the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Chris, you've got a lot of stuff wrong with you too. The truth is, is when we understand the mercy that God has bestowed upon us, it's so much easier to go and hand it out to other people. But you can't get that with religion. You get that with relationship, understanding what God has done for you. The next one is faith. Jesus was referring to this, I believe, as reliance on God for salvation, that we can't pull our own selves up by our bootstraps. Some people think that whatever they do, if they become a good enough person, that that's going to gain them favor with God. And someday when they look God face to face, God's going to say, okay, way you're good and you're bad. And you know what? You had more good than you did bad, or you did this for me. And God's going to give you a thumbs up and come on in. But that's not what it's about. It's about faith, believing even though that Christ hadn't died on the cross, that all the way back to Genesis 3.15, that someday God was going to make a permanent payment for sin. So those three things he reminds us, those are the big things. When we start focusing on all the little tiny things that are in life, we lose sight of the big picture and actually get turned over to the mindset that the Pharisees have. The law was just supposed to show them how much they needed God. When I go and I look through the Word of God, specifically, when I have to read through once a year, I have to read through the Old Testament, the Law of Moses, I think to myself, there's no earthly way that I could possibly do all those things. There's no way possible I could do all those things. That's why we needed Jesus. Nothing good in us whatsoever, but it's by God's mercy, of course, that he saved. And, and they weren't the only ones. This ideology was carrying on to everybody. We know the story about the rich young ruler and how the rich young ruler even approached Jesus and said, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? And he says, keep the law. And he says, oh man, I'm good. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. And that ideology spread. And by the way, the ideology is, is going around even today as well. Go door to door, jump on a bus, go visit some parents, Talk to your neighbors. You'll find out that people are caught up in the pharisaical movement that by doing good works, I earn favor with God. That's religion. It's not relationship. Too often, we represent the Pharisees. We check all the boxes like they do. We check all the boxes. What do you mean by that? I mean that we go out to the Bible reading board and we know that we're supposed to do it. So we go out to the Bible reading board and we go, we put our little dot on there. Every week we come by and say, that's what I'm supposed to do. 
but there's no love of God in the process when we're reading through the Bible. It's because I know I'm supposed to do it. It's not hard to get up on a Sunday night and quote some verses in your heart not be in it. I've been there. It's easy to check the box and say, oh, I need a ministry to serve in. And so you hop on a ministry or I go door to door and I'm checking these boxes in my Christian life. And because I do that, oh, God has to accept me. No, all of our righteousness is is as filthy rags to God. We got to understand that we can't offer anything good to God whatsoever. I'd say that's probably the biggest problem I have is thinking that I got something that I can offer God when I got zip. I got nothing. The best thing that I can offer God is as filthy rags. And those rags they're referring to are those ones that the lepers would wear and they'd wrap around their wounds and they'd be filled with pus and ooze and disease coming out of them. And that's what my good, good things in this life look like to God. That's where grace comes in and it plows over the law and everything that we were supposed to do. And Jesus says, well, hey, I accomplished all that for you. And now you're good to go. It's a wonderful thing. Our life of service ought to come out of an overflow of love for the mercy that God has given to us. These people, they would strain at a gnat and they would swallow a camel. It's so interesting that terminology and Jesus was referring to unclean animals, the gnat being the most small unclean thing that was out there and the camel being, of course, the largest in that in that uh, area of the world, the largest unclean animal at that time. And it's said that the Pharisees, that before they would drink something, they would take a piece of cloth and they would strain their beverage through the cloth as to not accidentally swallow a gnat. That's ridiculous. But that's what religion does. Relationship with Jesus and understanding why he has things put in place is really what it is all about. So they had religion, just like some of us have religion. We got independent fundamental Baptist people probably in this room that are checking all the boxes, doing all the right things, but they're just as lost as these Pharisee people are. We got we to get out of the religion and get in the relationship with God. The next thing we got here, number two, they put down others to puff themselves up. They put down others to puff themselves up. Ye blind guides, again, would strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. That wasn't just for them. They used that to attack other people as well. They, the goal was to make themselves look as good as possible. It wasn't, I like what Mr. Trent said. I don't know if I had heard that before or if I just maybe was daydreaming when I heard it, I have no idea. But he said, you know, the Pharisees never really wanted anybody to change. That wasn't their goal in rebuking people. I'd never really heard that before. Probably just went over the head, not really sure. But their goal was to make themselves look as good as possible. They didn't even want people to repent and turn to God. They didn't want salvation and everybody to be lifted up and for God to be glorified. They wanted themselves to be glorified. And it's easy as born-again believers to want the attention to go to Chris Barrows than go to God Almighty. It's easy, easy for that to happen. How do we do it? It's little things that we do. It's proud of the fact 
that I show up to church three times a week. And this is what we're talking about here. We're talking about the pride of saying, I pride myself in the fact that I show up on Sunday morning, not even just to church, Sunday school. That's where it's at, Sunday school. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, maybe a ministry throughout the week. And we pride ourselves in the fact that we're doing those things instead of just doing it because we love God. And we compare ourselves with other people and it's a pride thing. And we look at our neighbors and we go to church and we know that they go to that maybe more liberal church and maybe they only go one time a week. And when we talk to them and maybe we run into people, we have family members who only go to church maybe on Sunday one time on Sunday, maybe one other time during the week, we're quick to say, well, you know, my church, we meet, uh, we meet three or four times a week. We, we're the ones that really have it going on, which in reality, they may actually have it going on more than us because their heart may be in it that one or two times and we're just doing it because it makes us look good and it makes us feel good to put other people down and compare ourselves with people to make ourselves look good. We backbite, we criticize others in the name of the Lord and we put down folks to look better. You say, what am I talking about? I'm talking about prayer request time. I'm talking about prayer request time when we don't care about the person we're asking prayer for. When the only reason we bring it up is because we know that person's struggling and they're doing worse off than I am. I'm talking about when we're saying, did you see what she was wearing last week? We ought to pray for her. I saw her at the beach last week and she was, you know, she was just not dressing appropriate, not doing things that she should. And, you know, we ought to pray for her right now. I mean, this is the stuff that people really do. It's not because they really want that person to change. It's because by them putting that person down, it builds himself up. Little kids in school do this all the time. You'll find a bully. They're picking on other kids, making them feel dumb, making them feel stupid, making them feel like they're, they're ugly. Why? Because it's all about them being the ones who get the attention. It's the idea of, oh, so-and-so, they didn't have as, as many on the bus route as I did, and we're happy about it. It's, oh, I beat so-and-so on the track count this week. Not in a friendly competition like the majority of us do, but I'm talking about really you want to beat somebody bad because you want to be the one that has the big number. And it's not about God. It's not about getting the gospel to people. It's not about the testimonies like we heard today and pastor said that someone called and they got a track and it just thrilled their soul. It ain't about that. It's about you. It's about me. It's about memory verse time. And we're happy when the guy in front of us messes up on his verse because I'm about to get up there and do it perfect. And they're going to say, Chris Barrows, oh, he's the best memorizer that there is. It's silly, but it's true. It's the God honest truth. We read our Bibles as fast as we can so we can be the first one that's done out there on the board, but we didn't get nothing from reading our Bible. We go down through and we start doing it two times. We can tell people, oh, 
I read it two times this year, three times this year. But you didn't get with God one lick. It's having all those boxes, checking them off, putting people down so we can puff ourselves up. They rejoiced in other people's failures. In the first part of the chapter, they bind heavy burdens and grievous and grievous to be born and lay on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. The idea of when you would take a, a donkey or a mule and you would strap a big load to it and they would make it just to about to where that thing could barely walk and they would just watch it do its thing. And that's what the Pharisees, they would do. They would put these big expectations on people that they could never meet. And the Pharisees didn't even want them to meet it anyway. Because the more other people were struggling, the better it made them look. The Pharisees, they love that they had a title. The parallel passage to this in Luke eleven forty three and 44. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the markets. People ask me, do you want us to call you Pastor Chris? I don't. It, it doesn't float my boat. I read this passage right here and I think to myself, I better beware of all that. Does it float your boat that you're a Sunday school teacher or that you're a bus captain or a bus driver? You're the head of some ministry at Gospel Baptist Church? That's not what it's about. These people, they use their position as of authority to overpower the people that were there and just, just to, to bring themselves up. And that's not what ministry is about. Ministry is about serving other people. If I've learned one thing here at Gospel Baptist Church under Pastor Lytell, it's about helping other folks. That's what we're here for. The good shepherd, what does he do? He lays his life down for the sheep. It's not sitting in an office all day wondering what you can delegate people to do. It's about helping folks. And that's what the Pharisees, they missed because it was all about them and making themselves look good. The third point we got here is they look like heroes, but really they were zeros. They look like heroes, but really they were zeros. He says, 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within ye are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that's that which is within the cup and platter, and that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. No one in society looked better than the Pharisees. The majority of people during that time, they were in awe about how dedicated the Pharisees were and how close the Pharisees were to God, even though they were the people who were most far from him. Jesus, he uses two illustrations. He uses the illustration of a cup. The outside of the cup looks great. It looks beautiful, but inside it's filthy and it is disgusting. I don't know how you do your dishes at home, but we, when we put our cups away, we put them facing up. I don't know if that's the smartest way to do it. It seems like things can fall in there and bugs can fall in there. I feel like I should probably put them the other way, but we don't. Who knows why? But I'll take the cup out and the first thing I do is I take and I hold that clear glass cup up and I look through it like this because I wanna see if maybe it was in the dishwasher and it maybe got turned on its side and it got filled with all that nasty water. 
that the, that the, was cleaning all the other dishes, and then it just kind of settled in there and dried. So I check it over because, you know what, I don't want to use it if it's filthy and nasty, and I put it to be clean. Jesus says you look real good, but when it comes down to God using you, he doesn't want to use you. Sure, you may look like you may have all the talents, you may have all the brains, you may have all the Bible memorized, but when it comes to presenting the gospel to somebody, you're the last person I want doing it. You may be the best person with kids in this church, but if your heart is filthy and nasty, God doesn't want to use you, and he doesn't want to use me either. He says, you're like whitewashed sepulchers. These were tombs, and the Pharisees, again, they were so worried that they would break a law and that they would become unclean by accidentally walking over or touching a grave of a dead person. They would be labeled unclean, that they had folks that would go and whitewash these sepulchers so that you could easily see them from afar so you wouldn't accidentally step over them. He says, you are like that. You look really good on the outside, but inside you're dead and you're dying. There was nothing that the Pharisees could have offered to the kingdom of God. Nothing at all. I think we're going to be pretty surprised when we get to heaven and see how the rewards get dished out. I think we got in our minds that the preachers, the evangelists, spokespeople on social media that are on the front lines for the cause of Christ, that they are the ones that are going to get their reward, but I don't know. I don't always think that that's the case. I think it's the people who, after the service is done, they're going around the church picking the hymnals up, putting them back in the seats. I think those are the people who are going to get the reward. They're doing it out of a pure heart. It's easy to get up here, and you can get up here even in your own flesh, and you can preach a sermon. You can write out some notes, throw it together, and put it in here, and you can make that happen. But it's the people who are serving God out of a pure heart that really makes the difference. So many times I come and I do things because it's my duty. And I do it because I'm a preacher and that's what we, we're supposed to do. And if I don't do it, people are going to look down on me. But I need to get back to having a pure heart. These Pharisees, they were great at deceiving people. They were great. There was none better than the Pharisees. They'd walk among you and you couldn't tell that anything was wrong. That's how some of us walk around. Even right now, you guys are all deceived right now. You think that I'm just up here preaching a sermon, doing my thing. But you know what? I walked around before here. I talked to everybody. Nobody knew that anything was different. But there is something that's different. You see, I look nice and polished and good here on the outside, but I'm not. I'm nasty. I'm filthy on the inside. Oh. Got my jacket on here, but I'll take it off and show you what I really look like on the inside. And what's funny is that we do this spiritually. 
we do this thing spiritually. We show up and we got everybody fooled. But don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You may be pulling the wool over our eyes, and you may seem like some big hero of the faith, and I may be seem like some big hero of the faith, but inside, if I'm filthy, if I'm nasty, if I'm dirty, God's not going to reward me. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, I believe, says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether they be good or bad. Hey, judgment day is coming. Everything that we do is going to be made known. I don't know if that scares you, but it scares me. Because you don't honestly know Chris Barrows, and I don't honestly know you either. So what many of us do Sunday after Sunday, day after day, we wake up, we got our sins, we're filthy, we're nasty, we're disgusting, but you know what? We don't get right with God. We just cover it up. We wake up on Sunday morning, we head out about 7.30, head over to Gospel Baptist Church to take out on the bus, tie our shoes, get all pretty, get our Bible talk on, maybe have a message or so to give in the bus meeting. But inside, we got things that we have not dealt with yet. And we're just covering them up. Maybe a Sunday school teacher who comes in and has got some sin in her life. Maybe marriage trouble. Bitter at the husband, bitter at the wife. And we just put on our facade and we put on our front, and we just come in here and cover it up like nothing's wrong and think that we're actually going to do something for God when inside we're filthy and we're disgusting. God help us. God help us that we look like on the outside what we really are on the inside. Let's pray. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.